What's up, gang? Welcome to the Western Wake Young Life Leader Podcast. Hey, we are so excited to launch a series of interviews that we are conducting for you on a wide range of topics with Young Life staff from across the nation. The purpose of the podcast is to spur us all on to become better and more equipped to introduce people to Christ and help them grow in their faith. Our hope is that each week as you tune in, that your team would have a conversation around the topic discussed in this podcast. So without any further ado, welcome to the Western Wake Young Life Leader Podcast. Today we have my friend Pete Hardesty on the line. Pete uh, is, let's see here, let me get organized. Pete, if I had to describe you in one word, it would be, I don't know, there's no word to capture, capture the spirit of Pete Hardesty. That's not good, that's not good. He's an animal, friends. <laughs> Hey, Pete is an internationally renowned author of Adulting 101. You can pick yours up today on Amazon. We're going to get into that uh, towards the end, maybe some of his future projects. Uh, he's, you're the Divisional Vice President of the Eastern Division for Young Life College. Is that correct? What's your title? Divisional Coordinator okay. for the Eastern I'll rewrite that. I'll, I'll, I'll email Newt and get that into the vice yeah. role. Nobody likes to coordinate anything. That's a terrible job. Hey, let me coordinate. I like to, you know, coordinate my colors and my uh, shirts. Oh, Pete's had every job on assignment, right? Is there a job that you haven't had? You know, it's funny. I've, I've actually only done programming spoken. Okay. I requested work crew balls and summer sale balls the first couple of times, but then it's weird. And I was going to be a summer staff boss this year for the first time. Finally, that, you know, maybe I've found my calling. You can't, you can't take that face and put it in the pits, man. People need to see that thing. Well, make them laugh, that's for sure. Or we try to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are the only guy on Young Life staff that I know of that has a Rolex. And you might want to tell that story in a minute. It's a great story. You did not purchase it. I, I will oh, no. say that up front. Yeah. Um, and hey, there's one thing that I have learned uh, from Pete Hardesty. Pete, I don't even know if you remember saying this to me, but I remember a tough time in my career. Uh, I had just been asked to become an area director in Farmville. The wheels were coming off, man. Half the leaders decided that the, the Young Life wasn't what they wanted to do. All of the committee also decided that we were in deficit. I was struggling uh, with my identity. Can I do this? Am I going to make it? Am I good enough? All those questions. And I remember at a staff time at Rockbridge, you pulled me aside and you told me that many, sometimes God asks us to go through the fire. We had a conversation about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they wouldn't kneel before the king and, and how it, they thought it was going to cost them their lives, but they ended up going through the fire and they ended up being with the spirit in the fire. And so Pete, thank you for that. I owe a great debt to you for keeping me uh, going and focused and in the right direction. So thank you. I've never told you thank oh. you. Well, you're welcome, man. It's uh, I, I think we're, we're either going into a fire, in the fire, or coming out of a fire for most of our life. Um, but you know, the one sentence that stands out to me in that uh, account is 
they had faith that God was going to save him from the fire, but they said, but even if he doesn't, and I read over that, it's like it was a splinter in my mind. I could not get that. I was like, but even if he doesn't, how can you still have faith in him if he doesn't? And you get burnt up to a crisp. And sometimes we feel like that, right? Like sometimes we feel like, God, where are you? What, you know, even in the, the events of our country, maybe in your city, maybe in your Young Life Club, maybe this pandemic, the protests, the unrest. It's like, God, where? sometimes we are asking like, hey, where, where are you? But even if he doesn't, you know, we're, we're, we, they still had their faith. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a, I'm just starting to, that's a faith I don't quite understand. <laughs> that's powerful. That's powerful. All right. Hey, I want to start with some questions about you. Um, where did sure. you grow up? I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, in Towson, actually. The and then I, I came down to Virginia for college, went to University of Virginia. I got in while the getting was good because I don't think I could get in there now. It's gotten really hard to get into. Um, and so UVA, uh, actually, um, back-to-back national champions in basketball, if in case you're curious. Uh, we were champions last year, but this year there are no champions. So we'll take it again, you know. <laughs> I don't think that counts, man. I don't, I don't know. You guys I don't know. Who's, who's champion then right now? No champions? That's a good point. We like it. We'll keep UVA. Keep UVA in that side. We weren't going to win it this year, so. Uh, I was racking my brain for like, I don't think UVA's done that. Like, when? <laughs> in our mind, in our mind, right? What did you study at UVA? I was pre-med uh, with the emphasis on pre. Uh, I, I did t- go all the way through. I took all the pre-med classes, took the MCATs, but then I went on Young Life staff right out of college and spent I- seven years in Virginia Beach. 13 in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is where James Madison is. It's kind of the center of that town. And then for the last three years, I've been up here outside of Washington, D.C., where I live now. I love it. I love it. And so Baltimore's home. So you had the opportunity to move a little closer to home where your parents are. Yeah, I'm within striking distance. I have two nieces that are the apple my eye. Uh, They're 13 and 15 now. Both are involved. There's wildlife for for Haley, the younger, and then young life for Lily, the older. And so I love being within – I was three hours away, so it was hard to go up for, like, a choir performance or something. But now yeah. I can go up to those awful, awful middle school choir performances. So That so many of our wildlife and young life leaders sit through, right? Oh, gosh. I mean – Existential and, crisis in there. Like, what have I chosen to do with my life? And sometimes they make you pay to get in. It's like an extra added, like, just insult to the injury. And then – let me pay to listen to just awful stuff all the time. But I was there clapping, cheering. I had a sign, you know. I love it. Hey, Pete, what was your family like growing up? Do they know the Lord? Uh, you know, my mom did. She would drag us to church here and there. Not, not, not all the time, but my dad really didn't. Uh, he would work a lot of times on Sunday. And so um, I hated church growing up. I mean, but my parents are the best. They are just the – they are – uh, my dad, actually, and my mom. My mom's one of eight. Her her dad was a, a shoe cobbler, like literally a shoe shoe repair man. And my my dad's uh, dad was a um, kind of a General Mills salesman, but was a military vet. And they both grew up pretty poor, really poor. And so I just have such a respect for them. I've grown to love them more and more. Um, but I kind of I kind of met um, started getting involved in Young Life. Uh, my freshman year of high school, a senior, uh, a senior guy on the soccer team asked me, 
uh, hey, you want to go to Young Life? And I was like, no, man, no, I'm trying to be cool. And he's like, it's at Stephanie Selway's house. And that, those are wor words that changed my life forever. Because Stephanie Selway was a junior, and I had tried to talk with her once, and I think all that came out was like, ah, ah! And she, like, walked away. And I, I asked him, I said, we're going to get to go into her house? I, and he's like, yeah. I said, will she be there? And he's like, yeah, and all our friends. I was like, all right, what time are you picking me up? <laughs> so he picked me up, and, and the rest was kind of history. I don't remember much we did then, but I do remember – uh, you know, a guy coming out at the end and sharing from the Bible in a way that I'd never heard. And then a year later, I went to Lake Champion uh, for summer camp. And that's, where, that's when I first, that's when I would say, can I gave my life to Christ. Would you say that you're, you were more connected with your friends who were involved with Young Life than the leaders even at that point when you went to Lake Champion? Or, or tell us about that. Like, was there a leader in your life that was was asking you to do this and, and come on, I'll pick you up and all that stuff. Or was it more friends and, and kind of a. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I think it was a combination of both. I think, I think it wasn't super tight with my leader at the time, but he was the only person at JV soccer practice. My freshman year, I'll tell you that we, we were like, ah, oh, I think that's a scout. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of scouts scouting JV soccer. I mean, because he was like 30-some, and we just knew he didn't belong uh, there. But I did, get, I did get tighter with him. I didn't have a ton of really close friends in Young Life. It was just kind of – I do remember a couple of seniors that made me feel like a million bucks there. I mean, that, 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 those kind of – and then after I met Christ, my Young Life leader did ask me and another guy named Steve, who became one of my best friends, if we wanted to meet on Wednesday mornings to talk about the Bible and how it related to real life. And I thought, no, that's, that sounds awful terrible but somehow he convinced me and that he was discipling me you know he took me to mcdonald's and we did a little bible study and we did that for a year and a half so wednesday mornings at 6 a.m <laughs> love it what was it about christ that drew you to him uh, i mean a lot of things the the the, the main thing that weekend late champion that i remember was i just remember going out during the 20 minutes and saying if you did that for me my whole life is yours. Take, take it, whatever, you know, almost in the, in the, it's, it's not, it's, it's not right, but it's like, I want to pay you back. I want to pay you back for what you just did. Uh, but it was like, man, if you show me that love, I, you got my whole life. It's whatever I got is yours. I love it. It's such a powerful moment. It, it's, you know, in the midst of this summer, I've been having a lot of conversations with people. People have been calling me up a guy that met Christ at, at, uh, trail west when he was like 55 years old he's a donor to the area he just called me this week it's a many i just heard that the camping's in trouble that it's canceled for the summer and whatnot and, and i'm just so distraught i remember sitting out there and experiencing god in a way that that i had never done before and seeing it through people and, and all that it, it certainly is a powerful tool um and we can lament I, it's right to lament the loss of some of that this summer yeah i think it but is my hope in some of these conversations is that we would begin to shift and pivot. We wouldn't just be stuck in the idea that, oh, we don't have that tool anymore. But, but so the purpose of this conversation is to figure out, well, what tools do we have and, and how can we utilize them effectively? And so I wanted to talk to you about a time in your ministry at JMU that I know about just from being around and hearing you talk about it when I was on staff in Virginia. And, and there was a time where you guys decided as a team to – not stop club. Club didn't 
didn't end, but you, you took a focus and shifted it onto this one-on-one -on -one interpersonal sharing of Christ, kind of sitting across the table. What was that? Tell us what precipitated that or like, where, where did you guys begin with that? Yeah, well, it started, you know, when I was in Harrisonburg, I was area director for eight years, and then I shifted over to be college director for my last five there. Um, and so this was when I, we were doing Young Life College. Yeah. I think it was second or third year we were doing Young Life College, and things had gone pretty well. Like, we had had a, some really fun uh, fruit, and God had kind of done some cool stuff around JMU with the Young Life College thing. <clears throat> but I realized one time I was convicted, I thought to myself, man, we don't have summer camp in Young Life College, really. And I, I looked, I thought back on a whole year of my life, and I thought, outside of weekend camp and then our spring break trip, I don't think I shared the gospel one-on-one with one person. I was like, I mean, it almost took my breath away. I was like, here I am, almost 20 years on Young Life stamp at that time. What's, what's wrong with me? Like, how did this happen? How did I get to a place? Because it used to be anyone I was meeting, it was like, oh, man, okay. Might be a couple months for you. Might be a couple weeks for you. I'm ready today, man, with you. You know, like, yeah. let's, talk, let's talk about, let's actually share the gospel. So I, it all, and so I kind of shared, I confessed that to our team one time. And we had a couple other staff with us. And I was asking some of my guys, I was meeting with a small group. I said, hey, how many, if you take away our week, the weekend camp to Rockbridge and take away your spring break trip, how many people have, did you share Christ with one-on-one? -on -one? And I started, I said, I think I'm zero. I can't remember any. We went around and it was six dudes and there was, it was two, two people out of six. So seven of us, and I'm on, I'm in full-time ministry, <laughs> two people. And I thought, okay, do we have the right with more than two people? Us seven, I mean, being, and then I asked the whole team that, okay, a team of 20 people. What do you, what's your guess, Manny, on how many? A couple weeks later, we asked the team. In the whole year, the previous calendar year from that date. I would hope it's over 20. You would think one per person, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. But I was zero, and I was like full-time guy. I was like, you know, Jimmy Christian, right? How many, what's your guess? I don't know, 16, 17. Five. Five, single digits. We were honest with each other. Yeah, five people. And we thought, huh. And, you know, God was using yeah. – it wasn't like, hey, but I thought, do we have the right with more people? So what's holding us back from this? And this is a weird – that we found this crazy – I mean, it's really groundbreaking uh, correlation. The more people we share Christ with one-on-one, -on -one, the more people meet Christ, Manny. <laughs> Right, it was like, "Whoa, get out! Are you kidding me? Whoa!" I don't believe. Like, it. I know. Show me the data. Show <laughs> me the evidence. It's like the more people. So we tried to think about, like, okay, what's holding us back? So I and I had to lead. I had to lead the way in this because it wasn't like I was coming down on them because I said, "You guys, I'm, I'm, I'm at zero. It's not like, and you five, you got, you know. Anyway, nobody was more than one, and we have we had great leaders, dude." So we thought, what's wrong? This, I realized, like, we had gotten away. The heart of young life is not camp. It's not club. It, it was sharing this about a person, 
sharing our lives, but sharing about a person at the right time with these kids who have become so precious to us that we couldn't not share with them. Right? That's the, so somehow we had gotten away from the historical heart of young life of like, when can we do it? Do we want, do we, we don't want to push it. So we became these master bridge builders of friendship and, you know, contact work. And we had, you know, we had these intricate relationships, but we never crossed the bridge. We had become master bridge builders and not and, and anti-bridge crossers, which I don't think is close. If you look at Romans 10, I and mean, you can look all through the scriptures, Paul is speaking about Jesus all the time. So we had to say, what are our obstacles? Is it fear? Is it embarrassment? Is it, you know, do we, we don't want to tread on anybody's toes? On and on. And there's lots of those for, for whatever reason. And then why aren't we doing this more? And so, you know, it was a fun journey. I'll tell you, it was a, uh, we kind of said, okay, do we know how to? Yeah. Pete, let's like, talk about those obstacles first, and then we'll jump into the how-to and, and some of that stuff. I want to hear that. Let's talk about those obstacles. I think, as I think about it, my experience, I think oftentimes I build this narrative in my head that says I'm going to lose this relationship, you know? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we, we are afraid as a culture to press into awkward territory and sometimes you know religion and politics we're told over and over those are awkward territories we don't talk about that stuff and so in some ways we're swimming against the grain here help us with with those obstacles and how you guys identified what were they and then what can we do about them? yeah i think it, it really starts with i don't think in young life we're ever going to be the people that have like a survey about your life and we're sitting in the commons of a college or in the high school outside in the parking lot and then towards the end it gets to like do you know jesus you know there's this bait and switch thing i don't think we're we have to know our tendencies so what is our tendencies there might be certain other evangelical organizations that their tendency maybe is to share christ too soon is there such a thing i mean that's that's what we had to have some discussions around right in young life sure we're, we want to we never want, you know, the sharing of this good news. If it really is good news, why aren't we actually sharing it, right? If the gospel is good news, it's introducing it about to a person. So when do we do that? Yeah, like there's wisdom in, in Towards Those Without, Colossians 4, 5. But I think the obstacle was, for, for me personally, was, one, I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> like if I really believe people were going to hell, wouldn't I take every opportunity? And so I had to kind of say, do I believe people are going to hell? Okay, I think I do. Then why don't I quit care? Like there's guys that I know that I love that I have the right with. I can talk to them about anything. There's college, there was college dudes and I didn't talk to them about the most important thing. And I'm not saying we, that's the, our first conversation, right? We know that we're ne- it's not going to be us. It's not who we are in young life. But how many kids do we have the right with that we haven't taken that right with? And all it takes is, you know, tomorrow's not promised to us. So we, then that led us into discussions about, like, is God sovereign? How do you do evangelism? Do you need to do evangelism? It's like, yeah, of course. God's sovereign. He's in charge of everything. But he works through us, and he's given us this. And it's, there's, there's commands about it. There's, the more you love Jesus, the more you want to do it. 
It's like introducing someone to your best friend. Like how many people do you want, Manny, to meet Allison? Oh gosh, all of them. Just- all of them, right? Because she's so freaking awesome. You love her so much. And then Jesus, how much more is this person that can change, you know, their life that they were meant for? So we just, you know, we had to have some honest conversations about like, what's holding us back really? Um, you know, fear, I think for sure. Embarrassment, not wanting to be the weird person. And that, that for me, I don't know that that for everybody, but for me, that kind of ends, it gets down to pride. Like I want them to, I want them to like me more than I want them to know Jesus. What the crap is wrong with me, man? He like, Seriously, I, it was like, a, I, I, this is not something I checked the box of either. Yeah. I'm still working through this. And I still, I mean, there's still people I didn't. I, I'm, I've moved from JMU three years ago. And I still, there were guys that I still hadn't shared Christ with, you know. So we also just said, listen, we're, we don't, we don't want to get overwhelmed. You might have the right with 50 people. You might have the right with five. But everybody, if we're, if we're young life leaders, you have earned the right with, I mean, we, we said that's in our, that's in our basic mantras, right? Of young life mantras. Is it mantra or mantra? I would say mantra. No, I'd just say mantra. I don't know. I have no idea. Both is allowed, but yeah. it's in a, we earn the right to be heard, right? The hearing of what? To love them. Of course, no strings attached, of course. And their response to the gospel, not our, not our, you know, like, it's not going to change how we feel about them. Unconditional love. But I don't know that we're really loving people if we don't end up telling them about Jesus. Because Romans 10 tells us, how can they believe in the one they have not heard of? And maybe I need to, honestly, maybe I need to live a little different. Because I've never in my life had someone come up to me and be like, Pete, you're so different. What's different about you? Maybe other people are having that happen all the time. What's again? What's wrong with me? I got a lot of problems. Wrong. I got a lot of issues. You know, man. Like I, I don't. I can't remember. Maybe somebody did, but I can't remember almost any time that anybody's come up to me and said that. So I can't. I'm not waiting for that to happen. Yeah. Anyway, I'm bad a little bit. So we're pursuers. But what you're saying is we're pursuers of that introduction to Jesus, right? In young life, we introduce people to Christ and we help them grow in their faith. A lot of what we're talking about here is in the introduction. I know you, I think one of the misconceptions about this conversation could be all Pete cares about is just getting the numbers like tallies on the whiteboard of like these people have said yes to Jesus. They stood up at the say so whatever it is. I know you and I know that's not the heart of this, but there is a compulsion. We are compelled to share Christ with people because we know that the world's broken, but more, we are broken people, and he is the way to life. He, he is the light in the darkness, and it's not, I, I love that you brought this back to, for you, a personal motivator, is that people are going to hell. You know, you met John Stott, and, uh, but he, John Stott's famous for having said that nobody should speak about hell without tears in their eyes, right? We should never, I mean, it is horrible, and we don't use that, right? Manny, we hate hell in young life. Absolutely. Right? We hate that there is a hell because these kids that we've gotten to know and have become so dear to our hearts, right? We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. 
So these kids, we hate that there might be some kids going to hell, but I think sometimes we forget because we almost want to forget, right? Like, I would love to. I would love yeah. to be able to forget that. And I think that's some, some of why we maybe don't talk about hell that often in young life is because we hate it. It even exists. We don't, we don't, you know. And so I, I think one other, one other important thing as, as you're, as you talk about actually sharing Jesus one-on-one with, with kids, not through our incredible tools of camp or club is it needs to be judgment free. <laughs> so like if you're hearing this and starting to feel really guilty or shamed or a voice of condemnation, that's not what God wants at all. In fact, there's never a voice of condemnation from Jesus. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if you're ever, if you ever hear that voice about anything, especially this, it's not from Jesus. So that's one thing is just kind of let's, let's all attack this together. There are some people that are naturally wired to do this really well. Yeah. I'm not one of them. And I've been on Young Life staff for a long time. I'm serious. And people might think, because I'm, I can kind of talk with people like, and, and lots of different types of people that I'm, but it's, I'm not, there are other people that it's so natural and it's just not a big deal and kind of, it just, it comes up, but wherever you are, it doesn't, it's no excuse that like, if you're not wired for it or not great at it, or it's really hard for you, that doesn't mean you don't get to do it. I'm also not wired for mercy and compassion. I score a zero on mercy Every spiritual gifts test I've taken, I've probably taken more than 10 in my life. Zero, not like low, zero. I don't care. I just don't care. Yeah. So does that mean I don't have to, you know, care about the less fortunate or uh, the poor of the world? Actually, no, on the opposite. It means I have to do some stuff in my life, Manny, that puts rhythms in my life because I think as a follower of Christ, we're all called to mercy, all called to compassion all called to sharing Jesus one-on-one with people. So if you're, if, because I'm so terrible at it, I actually need to take more uh, care and planning to put rhythms in my life so that I, ha- that I do it. I'm not excused from it because I'm not wired that way. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I, it is true that I'm not wired that way, but actually we won't go into it now, but I've taken measures that like I, to, to make sure that I am bringing the less fortunate of the world and the poor of the world to my mind often hmm. anyway. So it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum of, are you wired to do this or not? Or is it good for you? Easy for you, wherever you are, if you're good at it, man, develop that gift. And maybe you're supposed to be a man or woman who leads a charge on this. If you're not good at it, you better get some rhythms in your life to, to get going on it because guaranteed we're all called to it. That's right. And what an opportunity to grow, right? Like Teddy Roosevelt, I never envied a man who led an easy life, but I'd envied a number of men who led hard lives and led them well. We're not called to do easy things. Anybody uh, cannot do, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but we are going to change the world through doing easy crap. That's right. That's right. And in young life, this is not easy. Like I want our leaders to hear that. And we struggle with it daily. So, okay. So you talked about rhythms. You talked about some disciplines. Um, and, and some ways that you have taken those weaknesses in your life and turned them more towards the strength side or, or, or tried to grow in them. What are the rhythms? Say it's a strength. It's probably, if I was a negative 50, I'm maybe a negative 46. Now. <laughs> so I'm broken, broken even, but. Uh, I'm better than I was. You know? yeah. Yeah. So what, are, 
in terms of sharing Christ with people, what rooms did you have to, how, how did you guys structure that? Okay, I feel, I, I understand that I, this is something I'm called to as a Christian, is, is verbally sharing Christ with people. And, and I'm not just called to it, I want to do it. But how do I do it? Like, when I go sit, I'll set up a meeting, but what do I do then? So tell us about that. That's great. So there's two different things, two different sides of this. The first one is, what do you set up in your life to help you do this? I think one, prayer, that should be part of, like, you should be, there should be a list of lost people you're praying for every day. And it's, and then you pray, you pray for them, but you also pray for opportunities around them. So on that list might be some family members, might be a roommate or two, if you're in college, it might be uh, old roommates from college, it might, and then it might be some middle school, high school, or college kids, whoever you're serving in young life. The second thing I think is accountability. So in accountability, we're all like, ah, hold them accountable. Call them out on it. No, no, no. I'm talking about like, yeah, there should be great team accountability of like, hey, how are you doing on this? Maybe share a couple people, your top couple on your list, any opportunities. And then also we'd have this thing where we'd have a two-week challenge. So we ended up saying, what do you think is the right number? We all have, we've all earned the right with probably 20 or 30 or more. And this was towards the beginning of the semester. So we still had like, I think three months left in the semester. And said, okay, could we try to share Christ with one person every two weeks for the next eight weeks, which would mean four people in two months? And, you know, it was a little scary too. It's not like some people you toss that out and it's like, oh yeah, sure. I could do that this week. Four people. Other people you're like, I feel sick. I'm going to throw up, you know? So account, and I'm saying accountability. So we kind of say, okay, who are some of your top couple? Let's look for those opportunities, pray for those opportunities. And let's even take, let's even, like you said, schedule a meeting with the express purpose that, hey, we're not going to force anything. Again, we're young life, right? We're never going to force it. That's the thing. We have to know which side of the spectrum we are and make sure we're going over the other side. Jesus sometimes shared himself and the gospel with somebody in the first five minutes of meeting them. Have we ever done that? I haven't. Yeah. Uh, he also sometimes, I bet, took six months a year, which is great. We probably err more on the other side. So, okay, so the second one is accountability around a team, whether that's around your Young Life team, whether that's around your big leadership, however you guys want to do it or can do it. Maybe it's just your, your housemates. I don't know. You guys all say, hey, in the next two or three weeks, and then you come back. That's the important thing. You come back and say, hey, did anybody get a chance to do this? Did you try it? And when you have those meetings, when you've scheduled them, hey, I got this coffee with Jimmy scheduled for Thursday at 4 p.m. I think I'm going to try to do it. Everybody rallies and prays for that time. You know, that's important. So, like, whatever the team is, if it's a team of five at a middle school, you guys all do that. Or if it's maybe eight housemates living in a house or however you're doing it, you all pray and then you share. And then if you did it, you celebrate that. The result is the Holy Spirit. We have to keep saying to ourselves, we are not the Holy Spirit. Yes. I can't make anybody except Christ. So like the thing that's on me, what do I have control of? I can share with them about Jesus in a winsome and attractive way. That's what I am in control of. So we had to figure that out. And then this is a very, very, this is the last thing I'll say is celebration. Yeah. You celebrate the sharing. And then of course, if someone comes to Christ, we know that in heaven, there's more rejoicing over one sinner that repents, right? Over, I mean, there's a monster party. So, but we will celebrate the sharing because that is a huge deal and a huge step. And then 
of course, if they come to Christ, we're going to throw a monster party. But so as far as what there, there's, you know, there's probably, I think we did seven or eight different tech, actual techniques mm-hmm. of like, how can you do it? And certain people might like different ones differently, you know? Um, and I, maybe I can send them to you, email to you. I think I still have them somewhere, but right. I think it's good to just have a couple different most of the time, we don't know anything. We got, we got the ABC or maybe we got the bridge illustration. We're thinking about Young Life Camp. But the better we know our tools, the more – I mean, you're, I know you're a woodworker. The more you get to know your, your tools and you can build stuff, the more you can, like, look at different projects and kind of custom – I forget who it was that said, hey, if I only had an hour to be with somebody to share, share Christ with them, I'd listen to them for 55 minutes and of their life, of who they are, of their – struggles of their you know of their story and then the last five minutes i'd share christ because someone had knows their tools and and then you can you can kind of um improvise and you can customize and you know then it's more natural and you know the heart the more you do it the more natural it becomes yeah. at the end of that semester i felt like man i really feel confident like even on the airplane i've still never shared christ with anyone sitting in an airplane yeah. but i felt like i could confidently like oh and 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 naturally talk about you know somebody I, I think you know some of the uh very easy questions into it are what's young life maybe not for your young life kids but what do you do for a living what are you studying in college I, i'm 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 majored in psychology but i'm actually involved with this nonprofit called young life and it's my favorite thing i do oh what's young life if you want, there's a possibility of sharing the gospel, you know, like all kinds of different ways. And you read the situation, you're spirit led. But I know that if I just left it up to myself, I would never, ever share Christ with kids one-on-one. Yeah. I don't think because of all the different things we already talked about. I'm a, like, I'm, I'm scared. I want them to like me. I'm worried about what they think of me. I don't care that as much. All these different things. And you might have some other obstacles. So anyway, I'm babbling. Sorry. No, I love it. So what questions did you find as you started to do it? uh, The next half I want to get into is how did it shape you? But what questions did you find people asking? Did you find common questions being asked with the college students that you were sitting down about life, maybe existential questions, or, or did you find it really was a pure, like, Hey, I would like to tell you about my friend. No, you're right. No, it's, it's, it's rarely that last part. I mean, although it should be right. Yeah. I think some of the questions that came up most uh, commonly, most often were, how can God be so good when there's so much Yes, being recorded? I don't want to say going on. You know, like, how can... You shouldn't say that. I'm just I kidding. Know, <laughs> <laughs> right? These are our leaders. They know me too, Pete. Okay, good. Then I can, I can probably say worse words than that too, so... Yeah, how something really bad happened to me. It might not have anything to do with religion, but it might have to do with religion. Maybe a church or maybe someone who claimed to be a Christian did something bad to me. Yeah. Or something bad happened to my family or something bad happened to me. How can God be so good? Isn't he kind of uninvolved? I mean, I bet this fall students will be asking a question about where is God in this pandemic? Less, you know, where is God in race and ethnicity and racism? and unrest and protests and murder. How can, where is God? Where, I don't see him. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. 
that that was definitely one of the common questions. I mean, I I led, I led a small group of uh, of soccer guys at JMU, varsity soccer players. Most of them weren't involved in Young Life, and so it's like okay. But they kept it was five guys, great dudes. They kept saying a lot of the team was international, and some guys were from England. These really smart dudes from England. They were kind of post Christian. They didn't grow up in England. It's not a very Christian society, and so not that ours is either, but. They said, hey, they're, they're, asking us, they're asking us such great questions. We don't know the answer. I said, well, let's talk about them during small group. I want you guys to answer. They said, no, can we just all get together and you answer the questions? I'm like, no, no. But finally they convinced me. So we had – I said, all right, I'm not going to invite any of the guys. You're going to invite them to if you want to have it at my house, great. And it'll be something where we can have – maybe we can smoke a cigar if they're 21. We can maybe have a sip of bourbon. But I'm not going to – I'm not going to run it. You're going to run it. And if I can help be helpful in the answers, we had 15 dudes off the team come over and sit on my, I thought we were going to, you know, collapse my back porch. Yeah. Half the dudes are smoking cigars. They have a game the next night. I'm thinking that they like coughing stuff. Are they going to say, Oh, we got this dude's house. The first question out of everything, the captain of the team says this guy named great dude named Dale. He says, so you're telling me this. I hadn't told anyone, anyone, anyone. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was like, uh, who's told who what? <laughs> uh, you're telling me this. The guy from Sandy Hook, who had, and this was, you know, four years ago, and so Sandy Hook was only had a couple years, had happened a couple years before that. Maybe it was, no, this is a while ago. This is maybe five, six years, whatever. He said, but that guy from Sandy Hook had, had just, I think, gotten sentenced to life in prison. Maybe six months, a year before that. That guy from Sandy Hook that killed all those kids goes to jail for the rest of his life, and at the very end of his life, he asked God to forgive him. God's going to forgive him, but me, I try to live a, I try to live a pretty good life. I don't, I, I'm, but I don't ask God to forgive me, and I don't know. I don't. I try to be the best person I can be, and I'm going to go to hell. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> Powerful. Like, can we warm up with a different question? That's the first <laughs> question we're going to start with. You know, another question I think students are wondering is, like, what does this have to do with me? Mm-hmm. aren't we kind of past that is that really is it really true like you know and so i think knowing some inroads or knowing some things like how to how to end up at jesus through different life through different things that they're experiencing like why is why is the killing of george floyd wrong yeah look let's talk about that because you can end up at jesus through that Whereas most people can't like you, the dignity of all human beings. Um, that's a, that's an inherently Christian belief. Yes, it is. Jesus believed that like this the, women, you believe in, you, you think, you, you think women should be valued. You think women should have a right to vote. Well, come on over to Christianity. Let's look at what Jesus thought about women. You know, all these different cool little, th- I mean, you know, and you wouldn't say it that way. You'd be much more sensitive and much slower. But there are ways to end up at who Jesus was because he is truth, right? He's not just like truthful. He is truth. He is love. And it's what they're also looking for. So I heard, I took this apologetics class, which is just a silly word for evidence for Christianity or whatever. And he said, all arguments, all kind of discussions. And, you know, you look at Paul. It's not, Paul was like using any tool Get available to him yeah. it wasn't like he was just praying and just hoping and just sitting back he went he charged headlong and tried to think and reason and argue and 
I think we need to do that. To find himself in Rome, right? Like used his Roman status to get arrested to head to Rome because he was called to go share Christ. And, like, oh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. He said, we only have two options. We can, one, help people see the logical conclusion of their false assumptions. So that means like, oh, if, if we really came from dust, and if, if our life is meaningless, like when we die, we go to nothing. We came from nothing, we go to nothing. Your life, you can't have meaning in between, nothing and nothing. If we came from dust, going to dust, uh, people with mental disabilities, no dignity. Hmm. Like you can help them see that actually your belief says that you should, they shouldn't have the same rights. In fact, maybe we should just kill them. Yeah. You're like... When we remove from, from the equation, val, human value and dignity cannot exist. Yeah, exactly. So, but but ending up at Jesus in a one-on-one conversation there is it is it takes a little bit of skill and thinking and practice. The other thing we can do, so that's one. We give them, show them a logical conclusion for false assumptions, like you believe, you know, or and I like this one better. We give them an an adequate. Um, an adequate picture, an adequate basis for their highest aspirations. Mm. It's like, you've always thought, wanted this to be true. You've always hoped that your identity was received and not achieved. You've always wanted to step off this treadmill of performance or appearance or caring about what other people think or all this stuff that you kind of know is wrong. Where are you getting your identity? And we give them this, uh, the gospel is something totally other because it's a person. And many of the crazy part is everybody's looking for Jesus. Every single student, every person we've locked eyes with, this is the secret to their life. And most of them have no idea. And that's so awesome that your leaders and you are going to stand in that gap because not many other people are. We got the secret to life and we can't keep it hidden. So we got to learn and we got to think and we got to figure out ways that we can get to Jesus at the end. And you know, God's going to use, even if we don't, he's going to do it and he's going to use it. So it's not like if we don't, all is lost, right? And again, this is not a judgment thing or condemnation thing, but gosh, wouldn't we want to spend some effort in trying to get, uh, learn and really be sharp and natural about how we can get to be in a place where we could share the secret of life with students in a natural way. Wouldn't we, I, I want to be able to do that, you know? So anyway. There's not a young life leader on the planet. There's not a Christian on the planet that doesn't want that. Yeah, they, we've already all said yes to this, right? <laughs> We're in young life. What the crap? <laughs> so you've really highlighted. We're not going to get into how to and, and language for all of that. For, for folks listening, I want you to search yourself and to think about, am I ready to do that? Do, do I have the tools? Do I have the language? Do I have the communication skills? Um, those are learned things. No, none of us are born with that. And what you've heard over and over is Pete saying and admitting, I'm horrible at that. I, like, and I am too. Hear it from me as well. Like nobody is not, there are people who are naturally gifted in this. And, and certainly 
You may be some of them, but I'm not. Pete's not. But it's our responsibility to learn. And so my question is, is how, how are you going to go get that information? How are, are you going to sit back and let it come to you? I'm going to try to give it to you as best we can. That, that, that's at the heartbeat of what all this is about. But how are you going to be responsible for your personal growth in being able to communicate and share Christ with people? Pete, Manny, I, I think you, you mentioned something that's so key. It, it's, it's listening to hearts. I think that's also the skill in, in evangelism or sharing Christ one-on-one that young life leaders were actually already pretty good as far as in, in the grand scheme of things at this is listening to your kids' hearts of what are they actually saying? What has their story been like? What part of Jesus, what aspect of him might appeal to them the most? I think that's, a, that's all Paul did. He was like always thinking and strategizing. He walked in and was like, Hey, this, you got something set up to the unknown God. You got all these things. And I visited there. I did this Greek tour, you know, tour of Greece and, and uh, Paul's churches. Oh, that, 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 that um, idol you have set up to the unknown God. Let me tell you about it. This is who he is. I mean, that's brilliant, right? Yeah. But when you think like, that's ah, not exactly, is that exactly right? I mean, are we, yeah, I mean, the, the ways to Jesus are endless. So you want to have some tools in your back pocket, but then you also trust the spirit. You want to listen to people's heart. Like that 55 minutes versus the five minutes. We want to listen more than we speak as we share Jesus. Absolutely. Pete, as you sat across the table from people or, or whatever circumstance it was in, what did it do in you as you saw, had these significant conversations? Like, can you tell us a story of, of a kid who said no or a kid who said yes? I, I mean, I'm not looking for one over the other because like you said, the effort is what's in our hands. We don't control the outcome. And so, um, but I'm sure you do have some success stories. Could you share a story and tell us what that did inside of you? Manny, there are so many fun stories around this. I mean, for that, 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 those, that semester. And then we tried to kind of continue it on, right? Like it wasn't like, let's stop doing this. How fun would it be if it became part of the natural ethos, the natural fabric of who we are? Because I think it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe before I was involved in Young Life. That's just Young Life staff were known. They would share Christ with kids all the time. They, we didn't have camps for, at the beginning. And we had club, but it was always, club was always a, you know, it was always a beginning, not an end. Yeah. And so uh, I, 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 there's, two, there's two stories that come to mind. One is a no, one's a yes. Uh, and one's from me. I'll share my no. Um, I, it was a guy on the soccer team, and I got to know him a little bit. We'd hung out a couple times. and. And I, I just felt like he was one of my guys, you know, that was on the list of short list and had an opportunity. I went out, ate lunch. And at the end I said something about, Hey, uh, Adam, I just, I felt like I wanted to talk to you about something briefly. Uh, and I wanted to ask your permission because it's about like spiritual stuff and about religion, a little bit about religion. Cause we, we know, we like to say, Oh, we're not religious, but, that's what people look at. It. He's like, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I said, well, you know, I, I've really come to really care about you a lot. And, you know, I, I feel like I'd want to tell you about this. And, and I said, and I talked, I told him about Jesus. I just said, Hey, there's something that changed my life when I was a sophomore in high school. And I wanted to share about you. And I shared the gospel in two or three minutes. I said, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? And he said, man, I really appreciate you sharing this with me. Um, 
I'm not there yet. I'm still kind of having too much fun in college. And I said, all right, well, you have an open, I have an open door kind of deal. I, I still like to hang out a ton and I probably, I'm not going to be asking about this every time we get together, but anytime you want to talk about it, I'm here. And so we, we still hung out some, but I never heard that he accepted Christ. You know, he, we still had a great friendship. It didn't change. It wasn't like he avoided me or anything. But there was another uh, story off our team about um, one of our leaders was in a sorority and she, her, her like a little sister, I think, or somebody in the sorority that was a little younger, maybe a year behind her, wild girl, was like partying girl. She had a crazy weekend where she had some terrible stuff happen and she it was crying and talking to her. And my friend, my, my, the leader told her friend just about Jesus. And her friend accepted Jesus right there on the spot through tears. And, you know, we don't want to, there's no bait and switch. Yeah. We're the ones worried about bait and switch. If we think this is the real deal, like, and we want to be sensitive. It's not like, oh, you're going through a tough time. You need Jesus, you know. Yeah. But this girl, and she said in team meetings, she was like, I would have never, I would have never shared Jesus at that point. I don't know that I ever would be if we weren't doing this and I wasn't thinking this way. She's like, but now that she, and she came to her sorority Bible study that next week. And then was like, the, you know, the leader started discipling her. I mean, it was like, so we had a way more stories of no's and maybe like, Oh, thanks. But no, thanks. But that's okay. We're, we're not, we're not worried. We're not as worried about the result. We're more worried about loving. We, we can love people by sharing Jesus with them. Not every time we're together, but that's part of loving them. If you go through and you never share Jesus, actually want to own someone, I don't know that that's super loving to, towards them. Yeah. If we really because believe what we believe about all the stuff we talked about before, it surely isn't. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, Pete, I'm so thankful for you. I want to spend some time talking about what you got coming up next down the line. You know, you're an author. You, you do, are a man of many talents and gifts. What's next for you? What do you got going on? Oh, man, thanks for asking that. And thanks for having me, man. This is so fun to talk about. I'm even convicted, like, man, I could say the same thing about myself this, this last six months. Like, I haven't really, I haven't, I've let that fall to the ground a little bit. So, um, about sharing Jesus with people one-on-one. Uh, yeah, we did that book, Adulting 101, with one of my former JMU leaders, Josh Burnett. Great dude. Owns a Chick-fil-A down in uh, Arkansas. Okay. And um, so, check that out, please, if it's helpful to you. I know man, he might even get it for the seniors here and there. Like I know um, he might have one for you if you want one. And if you guys have ever read it, something that's so helpful to us. Oh yeah, it's right there. Something that's, so, yeah, some, something that's so helpful to us is if you go on Amazon and just review it, honest review. If you didn't like it, say so. If you liked it, say so. But it take two minutes. So if you've read it, that's helpful. I've loved you kind of taking some of those like pretty hurtful. <laughs> like, this book sucks and posting them on Facebook is some of my favorite stuff I've seen you do. I have a folder of those in case I, I still care way too much about what people think of me. So yeah. I have a folder of, of, I mean, I never thought like a one star review from some weird dude in, in Kansas would actually matter to me. Why do I care? But I care. He posted it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I, you can't, you can't write it. You know, yeah. anyway. You just got to eat them. And so uh, we just finished, actually, literally this week, we're starting the editing process, Adulting 201. All right. And I'll tell you, I'm more excited about this book, Manny. Um, maybe the first one was like Adulting on the Outside, like money and professionalism, time management, 
getting your stuff together, kind of going the right direction, sex and dating, those type of things. This one's adult, adulting 201 is adulting on the inside. Mm. The, the, the inner quest for healthy adulthood. It's knowing yourself, uh, knowing others, leading yourself, leading others, technology, social media. And then the, the last probably half-ish of the book is something I'm most excited about. It's mental health, mm. anxiety, depression, loneliness, uh, how to combat those. What does it mean? How to help friends that are wrestling with those. So, and it should come out in this coming March around graduation season. So right. we'll make sure, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm re- we've already started the editing process. I wish it was sooner, but man, I'm, I'm, I think this book can be really helpful and really will provide a lot of value. Can't wait. Count us in on a bunch of them. Oh, sweet, man. Thanks. Yeah. Is there anything you'd want to tell people or, or places people can follow you or I know you've got a blog and some of that stuff. You want to plug any of that? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to connect with you guys on social media. I'm just at Pete Hardesty on like Instagram and, and um, uh, Facebook and Twitter. And I also have TikTok and snap, but I don't do those as much. There's only so many you can do. Um, but Hey, if, if there's anything I've said you want to know more about, just connect with me. I, I'm pretty active on there and really try to, you know, and then I do have a blog at no redos.com N O R E D O S.com that I blog very irregularly. I don't think I've sent out a post in four months, but because of the book, I've just been writing, but I probably do a, once I'm, once we're not in the writing phase, I'll, I'll do a post every week or month or something, but you can sign up to get like updates on those. Anytime I post it, I'll email it to you. Uh, but yeah, if I can be a helpful, any of those, please let me know. Yeah. You guys can reach out to me too. And I, I can connect you in with some questions and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I love you, man. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, we're going to wrap up here and, and God bless you. All right. Are we doing lightning round? We're not doing lightning round. Let's do the lightning round. Let's do it. You mentioned lightning round. I mean, I got, I got a minute or if you want to. Turn my hat backwards and get into it. You ready? You ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. Unless we, yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, that is something I told you we were going to do. The lightning round, friends, is where I'm just going to fire off a couple of questions for Pete. Um, you know, in Young Life, we really value uh, unity, unity in the spirit. There should be no disunity in the spirit. But we don't, uh, we are not uniform. We're not uniform. And so in the effort for uniformity, that's right. I am going to ask some very divisive questions amongst you guys, and we'll see where Pete lands and your judgment can fly off. All right, first question right here. What is the best Young Life camp, Pete? That's an easy one. Lake Champion, bar none. Champion, where you met Christ. That's appropriate. What's your favorite TV show? Uh, Old school would be Law and Order. Then Breaking Bad, uh, the, the, the regular Law & Order, none of those offshoots. Then Breaking Bad, one of the few shows I binged and was like watching at like 3 a.m., like one more episode. And then honestly, I know this is like pretty trendy, but Tiger King, I could not stop. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it was like Funny, I thought The Bachelor would be on that list. What's up? I thought The Bachelor would be on that list. Oh, man. Hey, and if you want to see some Bachelor stuff, I did write about that here and there on No Redo's. <laughs> oh, you, you got, yeah, you got a lot of mileage out of that. Some really great stuff, too, in all honesty. Yeah. Hey, what's your favorite podcaster or YouTuber other than me and you right now? <laughs> I mean, it's Manny Benincourt by far. Uh, I got someone I listen to a lot uh, is Tim Ferriss uh, yeah. po- on podcasts. His podcasts are too long, but man, he just has like pretty world renowned people in there, and it's, and it's, he, he's not a Christian, I don't think, but I really appreciate his perspective. And I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a high performance guy, high octane. What books you read? What's the last book you read? 
you know, I'm reading, oh, I thought I brought it in here. Um, I'm reading a book by a guy named David Benner, B-E-N-N-E-R. It's a book that changed my life. I read about three or four months ago called The Gift of Being Yourself. Hmm. I'm telling you, I can't recommend this book highly enough. And he's got a, it's a, it's a called The Spiritual Trio. He's like a psychologist, psychotherapist, and I think he might even be like an Anglican priest also. Oh. But it's about identity and it's about knowing yourself and also knowing God. Phew. Oh man, it is powerful. And it's skinny. I like skinny reads, man. I don't like those big fat. We all do. Hard to, yeah, hard to read books. What's your, how do you take your coffee? I take my coffee as tea. I love it. I drink tea uh, every morning. Is or, Coffee is like with a lot of mocha and whipped cream and sauce and like a white mocha with, I'll take an extra shot in it, but I also get like caramel drizzle and all that. Oh, I love it. Is a hot dog a sandwich, Pete? Definitely not. Are you out of your mind? Pancakes. Uh, waffles by far. Coke or Pepsi? I mean, that, that's not, that shouldn't even be a question. Coke is a hundred times better than Pepsi. Pepsi is so sweet. Coke is, I mean. The sugar in Coca-Cola gives me a headache immediately. And you're talking to people in North Carolina, Pete. Let's play to the audience a little bit. It's one of the best things about it, man. Uh, Cheerwine. How about Cheerwine then? There we go. Cheerwine. Here we go. Nalgene or Hydroflask? Uh, at the time, I would say Nalgene because, you know, that was more me. But saying Nalgene is almost like saying, like, oh, I love my flip phone now. It's Hydroflask <laughs> now. So <laughs> I love it. Chacos or New Balances? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. <laughs> football or basketball? Being a UVA grad. Uh, NFL football, Ravens, and uh, and college basketball. I like both of those sports. I like watching those both those sports way better. Last one we're going to end on your favorite conspiracy theory. Or, or oh, this theory. Uh, this this one might surprise you, Manny. Let me ask you a question. Oh. How many of the winners of The Voice can you name right now? Names of people. Zero. I mean, I'm. You're asking. How many contestants can you name that were on The Voice? Just what is one? Pete, man, you caught me. This is it. Me neither. How about American Idol? I, I, you might not know that they were on American Idol, but I guarantee you, you know of twenty people. Yeah. American Idol. Yeah. um, Let's start with Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, yeah. Let's start with Carrie Underwood. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Jennifer Hudson, maybe heard of her. I mean, Tony N, number one. Jordan Sparks, Daughtry. These are not even winners. Mm. There's a list like that. So somehow there's this weird thing where you win, you, you're in the top five or seven or eight of American Idol. You're going to have a, you're a bona fide superstar in music. All kinds of genres. The voice you disappear and you're never heard from again. It's a cabal. It, it just, I'm, and isn't this the weirdest thing? And they're like competing shows, but I can't name, I can't even name a contestant. Anyway, Philip Phillips. I mean, who, who else? Do you uh, Fantasia? Clay Aiken? I know these aren't, I mean, these are all people that, and, and there's a list like that of probably 30 people that we've heard of and we know a song by. Yeah. Who's the guy from Garner? The Clay Aiken's from Raleigh. There's a dude from Garner. He's a famous country artist. He was on American Idol. What is, what is up with that? I mean, dude, this is isn't the weirdest thing? And they're competing shows, same time, exact, almost the exact same um, premise. Allison loves the voice. 
Well, you know what? I, I have my theory about it. Here's, and I went, we can end here. All right. The voice is about the judges, not the contestants. Mm. Much more about their banter. And, their, and, and American Idol has pop, famous judges, of course. I mean, Katy Perry, Luke. Uh, um, Brian. Yeah, Luke Bryan. And, uh, and I mean, and uh, um, Lionel Richie. I mean, and, and they've had fam- just as famous. They're just as famous as the voice. But so who knows? It's a, it's a question that we can't answer right now. Some will remain unanswerable. One day behind the curtain, we will know the answer. Exactly. One day we'll see face to face. Hey, can I just thank your leaders too for anyone that listens to this and listened to this long and this far? I know, I know, I know. so much crap to listen to, but I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. I mean, you might not ever know the fruit of what you have done and what how God has used you until you go, until we go to the other side of the curtain, until we get to heaven. But you can be guaranteed, and you can be so sure that God is changing lives through you and most of you, most of all yours, but thank you for going when no one else is going and thank you for doing stuff that no one else knows you do so that kids can hear about Jesus and hear this old, old love story. So thank you. And I got to tell you, I've known, I've known a lot of young life staff. I get to travel a lot more in my job. You are in such great hands with Manny and Allison, honestly, like, and I know him really well. His father-in-law was, on my committee and is one of my dearest friends up in Harrisonburg, now down in Carolina. Um, but you are in great hands with Manny and Allison. They are phenomenal. So anyway, thanks you guys. Pete, should have done it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great yeah, day and can't wait to catch up soon. Sounds great. Right. See you brother. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Hey, I hope you enjoyed it. Certainly great catching up with Pete. Hey, check the description below for a list of questions you can kick around with your team and have a great week. See ya. Yeah.